This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Eaton Vance High Yield ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find smart bond selection from a specialized team with deep fixed income expertise. Get to know what's inside EVHY, the symbol of high yield done right, at eatonvance.com slash symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. So if a neutral rate is very low, it's very unlikely that Bank of Japan will raise the interest rate significantly. That I don't think that will happen. And so because of the low... Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Exchange, a conversation between Breaking Views columnists and the people who matter in finance, politics, technology, and today, economics. I'm Pete Sweeney, and I'm talking about the Japanese economy with Sayuri Shirai in Tokyo. Sayuri is currently a professor of economics at Keio University. Before that, she served as a member of the policy board of the Bank of Japan and as an economist at the International Monetary Fund. Professor, welcome to The Exchange. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Um, Look, let's just start off with a review of the the current situation. Um, After decades of of money printing around the world, uh, inflation finally reared its overpriced head in the United States and other Western economies. Federal Reserve Board started aggressively hiking interest rates. Um, This has thrown off asset prices and and a lot of assumptions about the way economies were going. Um, Japan, in Japan, inflation is relatively restrained and what inflation is being caused is, is bad inflation, imported inflation from higher energy prices. Um, otherwise, the economic performance is still not quite ideal as far as the government is concerned. Now, this has naturally depressed the the rate divergence has depressed the exchange rate. Um, there's been funny movements in the bond market. Everybody is wondering how long this situation can sustain itself, where Japan has ultra loose, ultra low interest rates, and the rest of the world is kind of divergent. What is your take? So, unfortunately, uh, July, September, Japanese real GDP turned negative, uh, mainly because of a sharp increase in import. But uh, at the same time, I think Japanese economy is still in the uh, recovery process. For example, uh, uh, consumption started to pick up, especially in services area. So I think uh, October, December, real GDP growth will be much better. And so I think, you know, sentiment in the area of the services sector is not extremely bad. So I think for, uh, for the remaining year and next year's Japanese economic growth will continue to be positive and probably next year uh, much better than United States and the Europe, uh, thanks to this uh, uh, capital spending and uh, also consumption growth. Now, having said that, uh, as you said, uh, Japan's inflation is at this moment 3.7%. Uh, above 2%. But when we look at uh, sort of uh, core inflation uh, based on the global uh, common standard, which means excluding all energy and all food, not just the fresh food, which uh, Japanese uh, um, people usually pay attention, then so this uh, core inflation is still just 1.5%, still below 2%. So in that sense, Japan's underlying inflation is still quite low. And then this mainly because uh, services, services inflation is too low. And 2% is the, is the official target 
right? Yes. Which which uh, Haruhiko Kuroda has stuck to despite some. Do, do you do you believe that target is is worth revising or or is under under reconsideration? So yeah, in terms of you know uh, uh, this inflation, uh, this is coming from supply side and not really from demand income growth in you know, a positive cycle. A cycle that didn't happen, uh, unfortunately. But at the same time, I feel that maybe you know we should be very careful about discussing about whether we should uh, what we should do about two percent inflation. Because as I said, you know, inflation is uh, already above 3%, although this is only for uh, temporarily, but still above 3%. And globally, uh, inflation, you know, may be changing structurally uh, because of climate change, you know, and, uh, you know, geopolitical uh, risk and uh, aging and uh, various things happening. So uh, inflation may be a bit higher in Japan uh, in the future uh, than uh, what's happened in the past. So I think, you know, thinking about uh, 2% inflation, I personally feel that uh, Bank of Japan does not need to completely get rid of 2%. Rather than that, uh, based on 10-year experience, I think having inflation target range, uh, which uh, enable more flexible monetary policy, it could be more desirable. Kuroda, the Bank of Japan governor that I mentioned, um, is, is set to step down next year, yes? And we also have the... Um, the spring wage negotiations mm-hmm. um, coming up when when Japanese workers and the companies kind of agree on how much. Now, obviously, if there's if if the wage and negotiations go very well, that is the sort of positive, potentially a sign of positive inflation. You know, positive for 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 spending and, and so on. A lot of people think that at this point, at next spring, um, the BOJ with a with a new leader at the helm might be in a position to adjust its yield curve control policy where it tries to manage the the interest rates on, on various tenors of, of bonds, well, mostly the 10-year bond. Uh, do you think that there's going to be a green light? Um, once Are, are those, are those the, the dates to watch? Um, I think, you know, we should look at the wage growth performance uh, based on uh, expectations rather than what will happen next spring. So mm. over for many years, you know, a lot of households uh, did not expect that their income will go up. So that is a more important issue. So for this coming uh, April uh, wage negotiation, uh, because of high inflation, so company will try to uh, increase wages, but at the same time, their pro- pro- profit may decline, especially from the uh, second half of this year. Uh, so, uh, and uh, many companies still not able to pass on that increase the import costs on their final prices, so uh, which makes it a bit difficult for many companies to raise, uh, you know, wages, especially regular wages. So bonus adjustment is possible, but regular wages it's a bit more challenging. So I, I you know, I think just just in case the wage negotiation becomes successful, so company will uh, respond to the higher wages. I think it doesn't mean you know monetary policy will be adjusted. Uh, you know, uh, instantaneously. My feeling is that uh, since Kuroda spent 10 years, uh, you know, and did the various monetary policy, uh, Bank of Japan actually changed their monetary pol- policy framework quite significantly over 10 years. So I think uh, um, the Bank of Japan is expected to do the comprehensive, the monetary policy review which takes some time. I, uh, I don't think uh, they are going to do it immediately because they, it takes some time to do research. So they have to have comprehensive, uh, comprehensive review about wh- what they did over the years, what was the uh, effect- effectiveness, and what was the challenging issues. 
And so once they have that kind of uh, a review, then probably uh, BOJ uh, could think about what else they are going to do with this YCC, with, uh, with uh, QE, uh, QEE and, uh, and illegal control. Yeah, YCC with QEE. There's been a certain, the, the yen has caught a break. So so I, I, I personally and I, some others were skeptical that, you know, the, the BOJ started intervening I think to to prop up the exchange rate after it crossed 150, I think mm -hmm. it fell from 100. I think it was at 107 or something two years ago. Uh, so it's been quite a steep fall. But um, a, a lot of people were kind of panicking about that. But it does look like the dollar has kind of come back. The the spreads, the 10 year spread between the U.S. and the Japanese Treasury mm -hmm. bonds has come in a bit. Um, how much breathing space do you think Japan has on that front? Well, I, obviously, this involves you kind of taking having a take on on the U.S. economy as well. But um, I know you you look at it. Um, yes. How much how much room do you think that Japan has um, at this point? Yeah. So uh, like 2017 and 2018, there was a, a, a ten year interest differential uh, between the United States and Japan about three percentage point. But at that time, that uh, wider uh, yield differential didn't have a much impact on the dollar uh, yen rate. But suddenly from GCS, uh, perhaps mainly because of sharp sudden increase in U.S. federal fund rate, then market participants started to look at uh, uh, this uh, growing interest differential. And so that affected on the data uh, yen rate significantly. So when we look at the uh, history, you know, interest differential is not always the uh, strong uh, ex uh, ex um, uh, factors contributing to the uh, exchange rate. So this year, uh, because of the sudden change uh, on the federal, uh, federal fund rate, uh, it was a sharp, a sharp increase within a very short period uh, that contributed to the yen sharp depreciation. So at one point, uh, uh, yen depreciated to 151, 152 yen. That was uh, uh, too excessive. But after that, uh, because of the U.S. Uh, long-term yield, started to go down around 3.5, 3.6% right now. So uh, less pressures uh, are, are, are generated on dollar uh, yen rate at this stage. So um, since uh, terminal rate is coming uh, sometime in next year uh, on the Federal um, Reserve, so I think uh, the pressure on the yen's depreciation will be somewhat weaker. Now, but at the same time, uh, yen, uh, dollar yen rate is also heavily influenced by the deterioration of uh, uh, Japan's trade uh, balance. So together with this uh, uh, yield differential and uh, trade uh, deficit contributed to yen's depreciation. So next year, I think while U.S. yield uh, may start to go down further, um, so uh, that will have a less pressure on the yen's depreciation, but uh, uh, I think trade deficit will continue some time. But in the future, I think uh, as commodity prices go down and the uh, pressure on the yen's depreciation will start to be weakened. So trade balance will be improved uh, a bit, uh, one year, probably one year later. So things will get, uh, and the exchange rate movement will be significantly uh, different from what's happening right now. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, that there, we have heard from several people, there's this theory out there um, that when and if the, the Japan Japan normalizes its interest rates, that there's this there's hidden risk 
that there's going to be a destabilization of, of foreign markets because Japanese entities have borrowed heavily, you know, and and they will have to repatriate funds um, into yen or, you know, there's a, there's there was an article in the FT basically warning that um, if there's 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 a movement, we might have this sudden destabilizing move of Japanese money out of foreign assets back into yen. Have you heard this theory? Do you, do you have any no. uh, concerns about it? No. So are you suggesting that yen might get appreciated by reducing uh, the foreign investment? No, no, no. So the, the, I'll, I'll just, so scenarios that like, you know, losses and margin calls, but I'll, I'll quote uh. from the FT article, the argument, large losses and margin calls pressure certain overexposed Japanese entities to dispose of assets in a disorderly manner. Given uh, the extent of cross holdings, this would fuel contagion across markets and borders which would be felt notably in places such as U.S. and European investment-grade corporates, so on and so forth. You know, I know there was that. I see, I see. It, it reminded me of that whole Michael Lewis article about there's the fictional earthquake in Japan and all the Japanese mm -hmm. money pours back into Japan and, and global markets gets destabilized. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's quite obvious that Japanese corporates have a lot of assets overseas. I, I saw one estimate that there's like $6 trillion U.S. dollars in, in, mm -hmm. in assets held given Japan's history of heavy outbound investment. You know, there is concerns that it might come pouring back, but I was just wondering your take. But I think, you know, uh, in any case, you know, the, under new governors, uh, when they uh, try to do this uh, first 10-year uh, review, and they should not rush. And then probably uh, during this time, uh, they have time to communicate with market. And then I think, uh, you know, whenever they do something additional, uh, the central bank needs to spend enough time to communicate with public and uh, market participant uh, so that they can prepare for that. So I don't think, uh, you know, any sudden unexpected things are expect expected from any central bank. I mean, any central bank, they will try to do their best uh, not to create uh, shocks. So, and then second, um, when I'm thinking about uh, Japan's uh, economic fundamental. We have to look at the neutral rate, right? The neutral rate uh, uh, must be very low in Japan. So, and also, by the way, uh, the neutral rate in United States and Europe are also quite low, uh, probably uh, depending on how you estimate, but uh, in the case of United States, about 0.5%. So, I mean, neutral rate in real sense. And Japan, much lower. So, thinking about that, uh, when the BOJ will decide what they are going to do about interest rate, first, they have to look at what will happen to short end uh, of this yield curve, which is short-term interest rate. That has to be very low, regardless of whether what kind of monetary policy the Bank of Japan will do. So if a neutral rate is very low, it's very unlikely that Bank of Japan will raise the interest rate significantly. That I don't think that will happen. And so because of the low neutral rate, uh, very likely the Bank of Japan will maintain low interest rate. Now, I don't want to say uh, specifically about level, but uh, one thing clear is that I think low interest rate is suitable, thinking about Japan's economic fundamental at this stage. So I don't think there will be big shock, uh, something like by the, uh, as a result of uh, Bank of Japan's uh, raising interest rates significantly, like what Federal Reserve did this year, that is very unlikely. So in that sense, I think uh, BOJ may does some adjustment to their monetary policy, but I don't think framework will be significantly different from what they have right now.
Okay, well, uh, let me ask you more broadly. I mean, one of the things that struck me on my uh, conversations with Japanese investors and economists is, is nobody seems to expect Japanese corporates to get excited about investing in Japan again anytime soon. And I was struck talking with a banker who said, like, even after this massive adjustment to the, in the yen exchange rate, his clients were still looking to invest overseas, not in Japan. Now, I've heard I've heard other people saying, well, we've, we've got less, less, you know, people in New York saying, well, we're, we're seeing less Japanese interest in this or that. So it's probably a bit of a mixed story. But even so, just more fundamentally, do you see any progress in getting Japan Inc. more excited about the Japanese growth story? Um, which would naturally repatriate funds in a productive way to to invest in the in the country instead of, you know, abroad. Well, so uh, anecdote uh, stories uh, of uh, we hear uh, there's a, uh, some repatriation of Japanese companies operating in Asia, uh, bringing back uh, to Japan, and probably this could be related to this uh, tension uh, related to geopolitical risk. And uh, probably, I think, uh, not only Japan, but U.S. and Europe, they, we all feel that we have to diversify our production location, right? And, and also material uh, procurement places, especially like uh, um, um, rares and rare metal. And so it's not good to concentrate in some area. So definitely uh, some diversification is happening. And also uh, Japan is getting benefit to some extent. But at the same time, uh, Japan is an aging society, the population is dropping, so market is not really growing. And then there's a serious labor shortage, especially uh, uh, among engineers. So there is a limit to that. So uh, when we see a Japanese company bringing back some of their production location to Japan, it is not really uh, labor intensive, it's more capital intensive, highly uh, automated, and a very high value added. So that can increase uh, also, uh, it's already happening now, but also in the future. But I think uh, a lot of Japanese companies know uh, they cannot count on the Japan's domestic market It's because it's not growing. It's a very severe competition now uh, because the market is not growing and so, so many companies there. So many companies have to diversify uh, their sales uh, location into uh, foreign countries, so naturally, you know, I don't, and as you said, there's no strong enthusiasm about Japanese company doing more activity in Japan, and but that can be related to aging. So, but the same thing happening in Europe. Europe is aging, and the U.S. also started to age. So we have to diversify into, you know, uh, emerging economies. So, um, I, so I think that is what's happening. One final question, and I'll let you go. So obviously, China is a massive trade partner to Japan. China has been in this kind of gestating economic crisis related to all sorts of the real estate market, its its COVID zero policy. Um, and all of that seems to be changing right now. Um, the government is moving more aggressively to prop up real estate um, and is looking to drop these restrictions on movements and quarantine. Um, how do you see that playing out for the Japanese economy next year? Mm. So um, this uh, US-China's uh, growing competition uh, geopolitical risk is uh, certainly very challenging for Japan. And then Japan's exports to the China account for 20% of total export. And uh, uh, Japan also count on a lot of uh, Chinese tourists. So, you know, in that sense, our economies are highly correlated. 
But at the same time, there is a, this uh, geopolitical risk and the U.S. is becoming tighter on technology exports to China. And probably they will ask the uh, similar thing to Japan, uh, you know, as a uh, allied country. So, you know, we might uh, have uh, some adjustment uh, around this line. But at the same time, for example, climate change, uh, we have to do a lot of uh, collaboration with China. Uh, like uh, hydrogen powers, and uh, there are a lot of things we can do. So I think you now there is some competition, and we not need to diversify from certain Asian area. But also we should have a more uh, collaborative effort in the area of climate change, digitization. So you know, Japan can be in a good place. Uh, Japan, you know, have a, a military alliance with the United States, but also you know, Japan is located in the middle of Asia. So you know, Japan can try to you know. Uh, 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 collaborate with uh, other Asian countries, including uh, China. Uh, so uh, we have to post, also focus on the area we can collaborate. Well, Professor, thank you very much for your time. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Stay well there in Tokyo, and I'll, I'll see you next time I visit. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. That's going to be the end of our podcast. I'd also like to give a shout out to our production team, Katrina Hamlin, Thomas Shum, and Pranav Kiran. Please do check out our written articles on breakingviews.com and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or iTunes or whatever your preferred tool is. Follow us on Twitter at BreakingViews. And thanks for tuning in. This spot is brought to you by Eaton Vance, the symbol of advanced investing. What's inside your ETF? With Parametric Equity Premium Income ETF, you know. Inside, you'll find institutional expertise from a specialized team with deep derivatives experience. Get to know what's inside PAPI, the symbol of alternative income, at eatonvance.com symbols. Before investing, prospective investors should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. The current prospectus contains this and other information and is available at eatonvance.com. Read the prospectus carefully before investing. Not FDIC insured. Offer no bank guarantee. May lose value. Not insured by any federal government agency. Not a deposit. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Distributed by Foresight Fund Services, LLC.